title of this morning and the thought today is, is a battle for balance. There's a reason I'd suppose why we would call it a battle, because if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would have a balanced life. If it was easy, everybody would find out the key and the will of God, and we would just do it. But because it's not easy, we would relate to it, and we would call it a, a battle. Uh, some of you that are great history buffs could remember and would remember the great battles of our nation, of our country. You'd remember some of the great wars that have been fought and the things that have been done to preserve our freedom. And how many of you are glad to say that you are an American? Yeah. How many of you are glad to say that you have the rights and the freedoms that you have today because somebody sacrificed and gave themselves for you? How many of you are glad today to say that you're a Christian? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ went to the cross to pay the sin debt that you and I owed. I'm so glad today that through the years the battles have raged. I'm glad that there have been people who have been willing to sacrifice and, and give their life even if it was necessary so that we could enjoy what we have today. I'm even glad that we can be a part of this conference and, and the time that we have the services together that your pastor and staff would put that together so that your life could be helped, and that you could learn some things that would be a blessing in your life. There's not a doubt in my mind that the Lord has directed us to John chapter 3 today. I've looked at it, I looked at other verses, I looked at other scripture, and God keeps bringing this thought to my mind. So I want to share it with you today and just give you some points that maybe would stick out in your mind today and that God would take with you. The older that I get, the more I realize we need to keep it simpler. Amen? I find it harder to remember more and more the older that I get. Now, I remember a lot about a lot of things, but I want to give you something today that will just stick out in your mind and that you will carry with you not only today, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and even for Tyler's sake next Sunday. But here's the scripture this morning in John chapter 3 and verse number 30. Would you say it with me and would you read it out loud? It's one simple short verse and here it is. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let's say it again. He must increase, but I must decrease. If there's something today that I would want you to leave here in just a few moments is simply this. the, The essence of what John and how John lived his life and the purpose for which he was here on this earth. I don't have time this morning, that's not the point of my message, but in verses 22 through 30, there was some disputing from the disciples of John as to what was going on and the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of John. And there was these questions, and people were just like today of the mindset that they wanted to follow a leader. And by the way, I think every church needs a good leader, amen? I think every family needs a good leader. I think every great business needs a great leader. You know what? I thank God today, not because he invited me to come here and preach. I thank God that you have a good leader in Pastor Tony. I say that because of things that my son tells me that he teaches them. I say that because of lessons and life lessons that have been learned. And you people have the, the greatest privilege in the world 
to come here to Fellowship Baptist Church and listen and hear and be taught and be instructed by Pastor Tony and Pastor Joe and Pastor Dave and Pastor Tyler. And that's one of the greatest blessings that you'll ever have in life. But I want to tell you this. If you lose sight of the John 3.30 principle, you're just wasting your time. Because the reality is, John had it right. We know that he had it right because he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We know that it wasn't just one thing that he was writing and, and another thing that he was, he was living another way. We know that what he was saying, his life matched with it. Because he said, it's not about me, but it's all about him. He said, it's not about how many disciples I can build, and it's not about how many followers that I have, and it's not in how many people that I can dunk under the water, and it's not about that, even though the Scripture says there was a lot of water where he was. I'm glad that we're Baptists, aren't you? I like being a Baptist. You know, that, that doesn't get me into heaven, but you know what it does? It identifies me with what I believe. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the autonomy of the local church. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. I believe in baptism. I believe in the Lord's Supper. I believe in the, the, uh, the right that I have to be able to go directly to God. I don't have to come through somebody or I don't have to come through some important person. But God has given to me access to his heavenly throne. Amen. I'm glad that I can identify with that. But more than anything, I'm glad that I identify with the word of God. Amen. There's some things today that we can learn from John the Baptist. He said, uh, he must increase. And I must decrease. Uh, you may say, but you know, it's hard. With God, it's not a 50-50 proposition. It's not that God wants half and, and you get half. But what God wants is, God wants more of you. Do you believe that? God wants more of, of what you're involved in. He wants more of your abilities. He wants more of your talents. What a great lesson yesterday evening from Pastor Malcolm. On God wants you to pursue the gifts and the passions that God has placed within your heart. I want to say to us this morning, you may think that it's hard to live a balanced life. I wrote this the other day and put it on Facebook, and some of y'all may have seen it. Here's some simple things I said. We are busier than we've ever been. Would you agree with that? We are doing more than we've ever done, and yet we are losing more than we've ever lost. Let that sink in for a second. We're busier than we've ever been, we're doing more than we've ever done. We're, we're expending ourselves physically more than we ever have, and yet we're losing more than we've ever lost. Can I tell you this? It ought to burden the heart of every church member in here for the life of these teenagers in this church. It, it ought to burden the heart of every adult in here for the life of these college kids in this church. It ought to be that every one of us get on our knees and we say, dear God, let you increase in their life and let you arise in their life. And God, raise up a generation of young people and college kids that will one day be the leaders of this church. Because I want to tell you this, you and I are dying off. Amen. One of the blessings of being in Orlando the last year and a half for my wife and I is to see the young people that grew up in our youth ministry who are now the leaders of Orlando Baptist Church. And one of the great blessings is that they come up to me and they say, Pastor Rick, you know, when I was a teenager, I didn't always listen. And I didn't always want to do what you said. And you didn't think that the things that you were saying were ever sticking. But you know what? They affected my life. 
and they changed my life, and, and God has done a work in my life, and there's nothing proud in me, but I say to the glory of God, look at what God has done. Man, it's hard, and we're busy, and we're working, and we're doing, but it's worth it. Because the lives of our young people growing up is worth the investment. You talk about being stretched thin today. We have more activities and family, church, work. More and more is expected of us. We have projects. We have to-do lists. We have one year. We have five year. We have 10-year plans. Our calendars are blowing up. Our phones are blowing up. Our wives are having to remind us of the things that we didn't do. And yet it seems like at times the proverbial bottom is falling out in our life and the things that are not being done and not being taken care of, they're screaming at us and we wonder why are we in the rat race that we're in. I'm going to tell you something. John had it right. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. I think it would be well for us to know what is the mind of God. What is the heart of God? What makes God tick? What is it that God is interested in? I can tell you, it's the souls of men and women and boys and girls. It's the the question that every one of us have had to ask ourselves or will have to ask ourselves before our life is over. Where will we spend eternity? Where will we go when this life is over? I want to give you just a few thoughts today, and it's simply this. God is certainly not the author of confusion, is he? We have more things going on in our life. I, I just, I illustrate this with, remember that rope, Tyler? You know, so many times in life, we, we get so busy and we get to doing so many things. This is probably a mistake. He weighs more than me, I can tell you that. Yeah, you do. Have you ever felt like life is just like a, a tug of war? Now work with me here a little bit, okay? okay? Hold on to the rope, all right? Come on, work with me. Have you ever felt like life is a tug of war? Wouldn't it be nice if life was like this and it was always going your way and your son always did what you asked him to do? Uh, but it's not always like that. Sometimes life is a little more difficult and, and, you, and you try to pull and you try to pull and you try to do the right thing and, and that's hard and you try to, you try to get leverage and you, and you start doing this and he's bigger than me. So now the rope's burning my hands. And, and, and you get to working, and you get to doing everything that you know to do, and it seems like you gain a little bit, and you gain a little bit, and then you lose a little bit. Does life ever seem like that to you? Amen. Here's what John said. If we could take his rope and somehow throw it up top, I wish we could. Life is so much lived horizontally, isn't it? Pulling, tugging, pulling, tugging, working, trying, failing, succeeding. It's so much like that. But what if we could somehow take the rope from that end and tie it on a beam up here somehow, and that beam represented God. And instead of being horizontally trying to balance our life and letting God increase, what if that rope that was attached to God hung, and it may swing a little bit to the left. Thank you. You can go. It may swing a little bit to the left, and it may swing a little bit to the right. Y'all know a song about that. And uh, to the left. And then, but what if that rope was tied to God and he was increasing in our life? And then if it swayed a little bit, it'd be okay because whenever it balanced out, where would it be once everything calmed down? It'd be vertically straight up and down. 
right? What an analogy in our life. The more he increases and the more that I decrease, the more that I can see what he wants to do in my life. And, and the, less, the less things that I've got to worry about, about me. Number one, when you write this down, sometimes we've got to define our priorities. How long has it been since you have defined the priorities of your life and you've gotten serious about it and you began to, to go through your family and you began to go through your work and your job and you began to go through church and what you do at church? Can I tell you, those are the three most important areas and aspects of your life. Where's your family at today? Do you know that's the first and, the first and foremost divine institution that God created? The family. The church is another one. Government is another one. But where is your family today? Where is it that, that you, would, you would fall in line with defining the priorities in your life? You know what? There was one word that was used two times in verse number 30 that I want to drive home today. And it is the word must. That's what John said. Here's my priority. He said with me, must increase. And I must decrease. That's the only word in there twice. You have increasing and you have decreasing. Can I tell you this? Your priorities will define your life. I love coming to church, don't you? I love talking about football. I love talking about Urban Meyer before he was your coach. Because he was our coach. We won a national championship with Urban Meyer before y'all did. Amen. Right. Tim Tebow's a better quarterback than y'all got. Oh, but let me say this to you. When we come to the house of God, you know what I like talking about more than anything? We can talk football. We can talk about the parking lot. As a matter of fact, let me talk to you about a couple of things here this morning. I came over about 7 o'clock, 6.50 this morning. There's some lights out on the back side of the property that need to be fixed. And the memorial gardens out there, there's some, there's some benches out there that are rotten. Somebody needs to get out there and fix those. There's some weeds over alongside of the building here that need to be pulled. Can I get a witness? But I like talking about all those things, but when I come to the house of God, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about Him. You know why? Because He is the, the priority of my life. Oh, I don't always live it, and I don't always model it, and I don't always do right. But I can tell you this, when I am right, He's increasing in my life. He's increasing. And when I am right, self is decreasing. John had it right. It's not about who's baptizing the most. It's not about who's got the biggest following. It's not about what church in town's the biggest church. You know what it's about? What are you doing that will make a difference for eternity? That's what matters. So there are some things that I want to give you very quickly. In defining the priorities in your life, for John, it was a, a must. I wrote down three things. My private time with God is a must. My private time. For me, it was 1981 at the Wilds Youth Camp. I was a 10th grader, and for the first time that I can ever remember in my life, somebody challenged me to get along with God and have a quiet time with God and read my Bible and let God speak to me. That's where it was. I remember the first Bible verse that I ever memorized 
at that youth camp, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now I want to tell you this, if you don't let time for God in your life be a priority, Satan's going to devour you. He's coming about as a roaring lion to devour you and to destroy you. He doesn't have good thoughts. He doesn't have good intentions. He only has one intention, and that is to ruin your life. He's a liar, he's a thief, and he's come to seek, to destroy, and to kill. But there's something that God gave us that is the shield against his fiery darts, and it's the Word of God. It's the It's the faith that we live in Christ, and it's walking with Him. My private time with God is a must. I mentioned to my wife this the other day. We've been raising kids now for the last 25 years. Thank God Tyler finally moved out. That boy can eat. We went over to, where did we go last night? Some wings place, and he got a snack. All he ordered was a little snack size of a basket. And I knew that wasn't going to be enough, but I didn't say anything. And then when, when he got done with that little basket, my wife, who was sitting on this side, he was sitting on this side of me, said, here, Tyler, do you want some more? I thought, she's giving away my hot wings. Well, that boy should have got more if he wanted more. I mean, Pastor Tony was paying, you know. But for the last 25 years, we've been, we've been raising kids. I've seen my wife literally go from sun up in the morning till sundown and well past it at night and exhaustedly fall over in the bed. How many ladies know what I'm talking about? Because of changing diapers, I heard Bree. Where'd Bree go? Is Bree in church or is she backslidden? Bree, up there. She said, literally, I I go through one room, and I clean it up, and I go to the next room, and then that room is already a mess, and then it looks like I haven't done anything all day. And Dave would come home as a nice, kind, loving husband that he is, and say, Bree, have you done anything? That's a dumb question to ask a wife who's been at home all day with the kids. My point is this, I've seen my wife go from sunup to sundown and well past it, and there have been times that I know she was right with God, but she didn't have a couple of minutes extra to even sit down and read her Bible and pray like I know she'd want to do. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But you know what I've seen as the kids have gotten older? I've seen in her a commitment. And she challenges me in my life every day. When I say, she don't advertise it. She just gets her Bible and gets some little devotional book or something. She just starts reading her Bible. You know what, mamas? That speaks volumes to your husbands and to your children that God is increasing in your life. Because you've gotten alone with God and you've let the, 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 the Word of God feed you and you've let God's Word get into your heart, your private time with God. It's a must in your life. It, it's a priority and it always should be. And then the next thing is my family needs are a must. Do you agree with that? My family needs are a must. I told the couples yesterday... And I say this to you guys here, and I'm going to be quick here. Sir, you are the only one that can rightfully meet the needs of your wife and your children. You are the only one. And ma'am, you are the only one who can rightfully meet the needs of your husband and your children. God never intended anybody else to do that. 
That's the great structure and the, the great uh, picture of the home. Everybody playing their role and doing their part and everybody working together. My family needs are a must. I'll be honest with you. There's sometimes my wife will call me to come do something when, when my children are sitting around playing a game or doing something, and I'm saying, why don't you call them? I, I'm busy. I'm reading the paper. I'm, do, you know, I'm doing something that I want to do. And sometimes, you know, mamas will just say, well, I'm just going to do it myself. And I'll just, I'll just, can I tell you something? Everybody has to play a role. And everybody has a job and a responsibility. My family needs are a must. Can I tell you as well, and that is the church ministry is a must. Churches are known for certain things in certain areas. Maybe a church is known for being a uh, music church, got a great choir. Maybe a church has got a, a famous pastor and people come, like a Charles Stanley, people come by the droves to come in and hear him teach. Some churches are known for being a, a you know, great community outreach church. You know what I think church ought to be? I think church ought to be a balanced place. I think church ought to be a place where you can come and worship God. I think church ought to be a place where you can come and get discipled and taught the Word of God. I think church ought to be where you come and you fellowship with people and the greatest relationships and friendships that you have are right here. I think it's a place where people can come and hear the gospel. Church ought to be an evangelistic station. But you know what? Sometimes we get out of balance and we start focusing on one thing because we can do it well. You know what it takes? It takes hard work for the church to be what it ought to be. Large churches, this don't happen. It takes planning. And preparation. God said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to know this. Church ministry is a must. Scripture that was alluded to yesterday in one of the sessions. You may not can teach the greatest of Sunday school lessons. You may not can preach the greatest of messages. But somebody can pull them weeds out here alongside of this side of of the church here. Somebody can fix those benches that are rotten and decaying in the back. Somebody can come out and put a new light bulb in. Somebody can stand out front and and, and with a smile on their face, welcome somebody and and say, how are you today? And mean it. Somebody can teach a Sunday school class. And somebody can be a friend. And somebody can tell somebody the truth. You know what I'm saying? Every one of us are needed in this place. I asked the young teen, teen guys today and in uh, Sunday school, I said, how many of y'all been here for a year? Some of them raised their hand. How many of y'all been here five years? Some of them raised their hand. How many of you been here 10 years? Raised their hand. Some of y'all been here 20, 30, 40 years. I'm going to ask you a question. What are you doing to build the church ministry? What are you doing for God? Where, are you sitting or are you serving? Some of you have only been here for six months. I like what Pastor Carter said yesterday. He said, man, if we don't have a spot for somebody, we make a spot for somebody. Amen. We give them something to do. I tell you, the best thing that you'll ever do is get your priorities right when it comes to your relationship with God, when it comes to your family, and when it comes to your church. I must hurry and say this. Number two, if after we define our priorities and make sure we're, we got them in check and we're doing right by them and vertically aligned with God, number two, sometimes we got to use words that cut against the grain. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we got to use words in our life for Him to increase and us to decrease. Words like, no, not now, I can't, maybe later, or another day. 
Because sometimes we miss what is most important by doing the things that are least important. And sometimes we put all of our talent and our treasure and our time in things that don't matter at all. And yet we're spending the most time and the most money and the most, uh, the most of what we've got trying to do something that has a very small place of significance. Wouldn't it be great if we could always invest our time wisely and always invest our money wisely and always invest our talents wisely? I think so. But sometimes we have to learn how to say no. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but there's a text in the Old Testament in the book of Esther. If you know Esther, maybe you would read chapter number one a little bit later today. You know that God prepared Esther as her uncle said to her, for what? For such a time as this to save the people of God. You know the story? But there's somebody in chapter number one that I admire, if possible, more than Esther. And it was the queen. Queen Vashti. Because if you know what happened, there was a feast going on, and in chapter number one, they started drinking, and the, and the king got inebriated, and the king wanted to flaunt his wife, and wanted her to bring the royal crown and the jewels, and parade herself, some commentators say, uh, disrobing herself, and disrobing her body, and prancing before them, and you know what she said? No. She said no to the king. And you know what it cost her? It cost her her position. It cost her her preeminence. It cost her power. It cost her a lot of things. But the queen said no. And I can tell you this, only God can take the broken pieces of our life and make something good out of it. And I know that Esther was at a place where she was going to come in and, and save her people. And God had all that plan. But I thank God for people that are just willing to say no and not dip their colors. And not lower their standards. And not lower what they believe. Just stand up for what you believe and just say, you know what? This is, this is what is important to me. God is important in my life. My family is important in my life. My church is important in my life. And I'm just going to do what is most important so I don't waste my time or my treasure or my talent. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes if God is going to increase in our life, we have to use the word no to other things. Let me give you a third thought, and that is simply this. We've got a plan to succeed daily. We've got to plan to succeed daily. If he increases in your life, you will succeed in your plan, and your life will balance out. You've heard it said before, those who fail to plan, plan to fail, right? You've heard it said, don't let your schedule be your God, but let it be your guide. For some of us, we don't even make a plan to succeed daily because we don't know. We don't plan. We don't, we don't understand. Listen, I'm going to tell you, accidents happen and, and, and tragedies happen, and sometimes things interrupt our day, unexpected visitors and overlooked things in our life. But, you know, the most important thing that we could ever do is make a commitment to having a balanced approach to our day and say this, I've got some things that I've got to do today. There may be some things that I can cut out, but these things I've got to do. I've got to spend time with God. I've got to spend time with my spouse, if that's physically possible. 
or at least make up the time. I've got to spend time doing the things that are most important. Joshua 1.8 says this, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt what? Meditate day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what? Good success. You know what that is? That is meditating day and night on the Word of God. It is taking into your life that day what is important, and it is making a priority out of it by having a plan to succeed. Let me give you this lastly, and number four, and that is choose friends and acquaintances wisely. Choose friends and acquaintances wisely. I want to say this to you. Every, every Christ follower ought to have Christian friends. And I want to go so far as to say, every Christ follower ought to have unsaved acquaintances. Are you with me? Saved friends and unsaved acquaintances. You know why? Because God wants to use you to reach the lost. I like what I heard Malcolm say the other day. He said, you reach one person and then you get, you're opened up to four more people. I like that. I, that just kind of stuck in my mind. Everybody that comes here that gets excited about what you're excited about represents a soul, and then they know more people, and though they may not be your closest friends because they don't walk with God, they can sure enough be your acquaintance because you and I ought to have a desire to reach them and to win them. There's a guy in 2 Samuel 13 who made a bad choice. His name was Amnon. Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, and Jonadab encouraged Amnon to do the thing that he didn't want to do himself, but he encouraged him to do it and to go ahead and do it anyways. Can I tell you, as a result of what Jonadab meant to Amnon in his life, Amnon made some bad decisions and some bad choices that ultimately had some bad consequences. How many of you know bad decisions and bad choices lead to bad consequences? And how many of you know good decisions and good choices lead to good consequences? It's the principle of sowing and reaping that will never change as long as you and I live, my friend. Let me say this to you. Choose friends and acquaintances wisely. Friends are like hands on a steering wheel, the ones who have a hold on you will likely determine the direction. Friends are like hands on a steering wheel. If I've got friends that are in my life that are saved and that love the things that I love and want to be in the house of God and want to do things together and listen to Christian music, they're going to steer me to the right. They're going to be the right influence in my life. They're going to help me. They're going to encourage me. They're going to lead me. They're going to help me do things that will lead to God's blessing in my life. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we're sure going to try. But if i got friends in my life that are the wrong kind of friends, unsaved friends, that don't want to do right, that don't want to do, do, go the places that I go and do the things that I do, they're going to lead me to going to places that I don't want to go. And they're going to lead me doing the things that I don't, and I'm going to go to the left. I like the right, don't you? I heard a guy say one time, he said, I don't like the left so much. He said, in order to make a left turn, I'll go right, go right, go right, and go right. So I can go left. That's funny. But here's the thing. Every single day of my life, friends in my life, they're influencing me. They're influencing me. 
And so I've got to be careful. Teenagers, you've got to be careful. Young marriage, you've got to be careful. Adults, we've got to be careful. You know why? Because I want to, when I get to the end of my life, say, I, I wasn't perfect. God sure helped me. And God loved me. I sat across from a guy who's the uh, evangelism professor at Liberty University where my son goes to college. And I sat across from him that day and I told him, I was 40, I think 46, 47 at the time, and, and, he, and I, I told him where I was in life and in ministry and all this stuff and, and uh, shared my heart with him. And, and he, uh, he said, Rick, let me tell you where you're at. He said, you've reached a stage of life where it's not just let's just go and do something for God, but let's, let's see it where we are if we can finish our life to when we get to the end of our life, you leave a lasting legacy. One that will outlive you, one that people will remember you, but they'll remember what was the priority of your life. They'll remember the times that you said no. Because it was a good thing to say. They'll remember the friends that you brought around and, and the acquaintances. And, and they'll, they'll have a plan to succeed. He said, you're living at a time in your life where you're thinking about what your legacy is going to be. And what the end is going to be. Now, some of y'all may not be in your 40s. But if you are, I can tell you, those thoughts are going to be creeping into your mind really soon because you realize your life is about more than half over. And now what matters most is what's going to be the end. And what am I going to leave behind? I may cry. I'll try not to. I told my wife a while back, I may never pastor the largest church in any town. That'll be okay. I said, as long as I know that when I leave this earth, my four precious children love God and they're serving God, that'll be a good enough legacy for me. Now, I've got some dreams in ministry, and I've got some dreams that I, I'm just, I feel like my wife and I feel like we're Joseph sitting in the prison the last three years, I'll be honest with you. But I, I care enough about what the future is, my family, my kids, not to make a decision just for the sake of having a position or having a title. I want to be, and you ought to want to be, in the place that God chooses, doing His will every single day so that God can use your life. And God can ultimately get all of the glory for what he's doing and for what he's done. I'm going to close. You've been very good in listening. I I appreciate the attentiveness. But let me say this to you. At the end of each day, ask yourself one of these three questions, if not all of them. Number one, what happened today that you're proud of? What happened today that you're proud of? Number two, what happened today that you wish you could do over? You ever wish there was a rewind button in life? What happened today that you wish you could do over? And number three, where did you see God in your life today? That ought to be the questions that we ask ourselves. What happened that you're proud of? What happened today that glorified God? Hey, everybody, (laughs) look at what God did. Amen. What happened today that that you wish you could do a U-turn? Hey, everybody, I'm glad God permits U-turns in our life, aren't you? And then what happened today that you could see God in your life? Hey, everybody, it's not about me. It's all about Him. I think if there was one request 
that uh, the Lord would give me today, I'd say, Lord, I want to be like John. I just want to be like John. I don't care who's following who. It's not about, it's not about my kingdom. God, it's all about you. Help me to decrease. And God, would you please, from the depths of my heart, would you please increase? Would you become more of my thoughts and more of my energy, more of my talent? More? God, please use my life. You know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful you have the opportunity to let God increase every single day, just like I do. And the fact of the matter is you are where you are because of the decisions that you've made and the things that you've allowed in your life. And I'm so thankful. There's that scripture in the Old Testament, happy, or in, the, in the New Testament, happy is he who condemneth not himself and that thing which he alloweth, Romans 14, 22. Happy is he who condemneth not himself and the thing that he has allowed. So God help us to let him increase.